everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through a Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today we're going to be taking a look at Season 4, Episode 21 and 22, Going Down the Road, also known as All Cried Out, which is surely how I feel after these. <laughs> it's Two. over. Season 4 is over. These episodes are over. <laughs> I'm all cried out. Let's put it to bed. Right. So, before Let's we... tuck it in. Before we tuck it in and kiss it goodnight... Quick little content warning, a uh, big content warning, honestly. There's a couple of things in here. Um, there's a lot of age gap shit. A lot of gross ma- man, it's, a, not even, it's only one man, hitting on underage girls. Um, there is a lot of ableism. There's mention of hosh- hospitalization relating to mental illness. There's also a homophobic joke. There is emotional abuse that is depicted as well as abuse discussed. Um, so there's a lot in this one. So just tread carefully if you need to take a break or if you need to avoid anything, don't hesitate to, because honestly, this was a garbage episode. Um, well, two episodes. But before we get too far into these episodes and we discuss it too much, we actually have a very lovely guest, somebody who's their first time at I Hope Pod, um, our Jay and Silent Bob expert, Danny. Uh, a very embarrassed, very, very <laughs> embarrassed expert. <laughs> My God, I I got these episodes as part of the Jane Silent Bob Do Degrassi DVD. I don't remember them being this bad when I watched them back in two thousand five. I really don't. Yeah, these this whole stretch of the series, I remember liking a lot more as a kid. Um, but I don't know if how much of it was just I was ignorant. Well, I feel like we've all seen like better representations of everything now. Yeah, and within I've the series, I've seen better representations of, of Kevin Smith. I mean, here's also a problem about about little old me. I feel like watched no Kevin Smith movies, so that's what I'm here for. Yeah, thank you. I mean, but... I've seen a fair number. I, I didn't. I think I stopped at Dogma. I didn't bother with Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back or Tusk, the movie he did on a dare. <laughs> Yeah, so let me give you some uh, Jay and Silent Bob context for this. This is Jay and Silent Bob at essentially the peak of their power. They were they were big with Dogma, chase, uh, Chasing Amy, Clerks. Uh, Kevin Smith had not had only just very recently put out Jersey Girl, if at if had it actually gone out in, t- in time. I forgot about Jersey Girl. Yeah, it, it, it was his first attempt to do things without Jane Silent Bob as a crutch. And uh, so this is right about where Kevin Smith would start to really kind of pull back from the viewers universe, so to speak. And this is this was actually the last one in it until Clerks 2. Interesting. What's funny is I remember when Jersey Girl was being filmed because they had to reroute my bus. Like, when I was in high school. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> he filmed in Highlands, which is where he's from. Um, and where I'm... I'm from Atlantic Highlands, which is close to Highlands. Um, I think I mentioned another episode. I lived, I lived near the Quick Stop. Um, and one time, uh, I was visiting my... It was early morning. I was visiting my art teacher in, um, like, during first period... This is, like, I had already graduated and whatnot. And, like, they were, like, the office called her and was, like, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Little, I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Like, she, she fucking ruled. She's the best art teacher, best teacher I ever had. Um, 
And they're like, you have a visitor. Could you come down to the office to collect them? And she's like, it's probably J-Muse. They probably don't want to let him down the hallway. Um, probably because he looks sketchy. And I had, like, zipped off to the bathroom. And when I, like, exited, there's J-Muse walking down the hallway with Mrs. Little. That's, that's so funny, actually. <laughs> and I think he had, like, he was dressed in black and white camo pants he he had a shaved head and was wearing like a big hoodie and like so this is about also around 2000 fall 2004 um i think he also probably just come out of recovery mm-hmm. so so anyway uh danny hit us up with like the summaries of these episodes yeah the a plot and our b plot well, the ape, the well, it's really kind it's of questionable. There's a lot of weird writing stuff in this episode. Yeah, the, I mean, one of the big things about this episode is that the context of the previous episode is fairly important. In that, you know, going in that Craig is writing the uh, writing a song for Kevin Smith's movie, while Kevin Smith is macking on Caitlin, while they are filming, they are trying to film Jay and Silent Bob Go Canadian, a. Eh? In the in Degrassi school, the students get involved. Uh, someone got their leg broken last episode, but that didn't really play into it at all. Paige. We're always for Paige stomping off once. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's not like they showed her in a cast or anything like that. She was they wearing did. a boot. <laughs> she was like kind of dramatically <laughs> walking it. off, and she was like <laughs> in the boot. Yeah, I see. So it was something to talk about. Hmm. Right. I like that energy. Keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> the the big problem is that there are people with many conflicts in their personal relationships, and it spills over into their professional relationships. That's the most basic you can get this episode. Yeah. 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 So let's jump into it. Um, Before we jump in, can I just say that here's a list of the notes that I took. Oh, I, I think we do that as we went along. Yep. I, I know. I just want to point out how many times. Jason is being a perv. Why is Jason being a, a perv? What is with Jay? Jay is such a cretin. Why is Jason in character here? Why? Why is Muse being so shitty? Why, Jay? Why, 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 why? Okay, yeah. Like, I, I'm really wondering if the screenwriter just had a problem with Jay Muse. Right? There's just... I mean, the thing about... I have a couple thoughts. Before we get into this episode too far, um, we talked a little bit about this, Danny, last week, where we talked about, like, f- once you start working fame and the stakes of fame into an, a series, it really impacts it. And so, like, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot while watching these episodes and, like, how this breaks the rules of the world, kind of. Like, when you start... And, and I know I'm looking at your notes right now. You keep writing, Kevin is married. Kevin is married. Kevin's been married for six six years. Um, and it's interesting seeing that they made this decision to make Kevin this very active participant in the story because I understand that, like, it's just like, why didn't you have Kevin Smith play a fictional director? Mm-hmm. Like, with, like, doing a movie that is clearly a reference to Jay and Silent Bob. Like, why did you have to have him be Kevin Smith and have your vision of what Kevin Smith is because you know who Kevin Smith is versus this is the Degrassi version of Kevin Smith? But I think that that's the entire point. If they had done a Jay and Silent Bob pastiche, I would have never bought the Jay and Silent Bob go 
do Degrassi DVD. Yeah, you're right. It's, That's it's a good point. It's 100% marketing towards the uh, Viewisk Universe fans. <laughs> and yeah, for, for some context, throughout this episode, there's a will they, won't they between Kevin Smith and Caitlin Ryan, is her name? Yeah, yeah. Caitlin Ryan. Well, well, well. Yeah. Yeah, I, we can get further into that later. I, All right. I want to start moving through this episode. No, it's true. I mean, a lot of it things. does start with that. I mean, literally the first thing is Jay is being a perv because he's he's to, hitting on someone in his trailer, I believe it was. No, to be fair, my, my first note is New York voice. Alanis Morissette? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what it was. Alanis Morissette is, has played God in two of, of Kevin Smith's movies, so having her in a cameo was actually... A very nice callback from a Viewers Universe perspective. What? Okay, and also um, last week we were mentioning um, things that change canon. Right. And I remembered another one. Um, apparently, in the second Transformers movie, uh, Shia LaBeouf's character dies and goes to the afterlife where there's just giant robots. And I'm just like, why does nobody talk about there's no god or devil, there's just giant robots? Yeah, yeah. I mean,. Yeah, no, no, that was, yeah, I just, I'm nope. so intrigued by this idea of, like, let's just throw something in there, and then, like, if you really think about it, it entirely changes the whole premise of the, of yeah. the world. <laughs> um. But let's keep going. So we see Alanis Morissette. She's playing a very cliched Canadian principal, wearing flannel, wearing a hockey uni- uh, uniform underneath, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's basically, like, the, so Jay and Silent Bob, does he go by Silent Bob in the, all intents and purposes in those movies. Yes. yes. Okay, so Jay and Silent Bob are being told basically they flunked the fuck out of the United States schooling system and they need to go to Canada to be able to pass their senior year. Um, there's a lot of, like, goofing and Jay gets smacked with, like, a hockey stick for being gross. Um, and it's a lot of, like, that type of stuff. My my note was, why is Jay hitting on teenagers? Oh, yeah, that that's the big thing. Jay hitting on teenagers is not a thing in most of the Viewisk universe. Really? He, the big thing with Jay is, yes, he's a, he's a gross perv. For example, he tried to have sex with uh, the last scion of Christ during the middle of the apocalypse. Oh, that's just um, relatable. Yeah. No, it, he's done things that are gross, but he's never really been underagey gross, or at least not from, not from my memory. He's just someone who gets high, you know, occasionally wants to have sex with people. And really, well, I was going to say who doesn't. There are people who do not enjoy engaging in sexual activities, but I was trying to reference the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the big thing is that the really, really bad flaws of the character seem to be amplified within the context of Degrassi. It, it's almost like... Degrassi is the show that goes there, correct? Yes, I allegedly. A, I am a Degrassi neophyte, more so than Frank, but I am. Did a, you know that Drake was going to get shot? I did not know that J- Drake was going to get shot, and oh, I didn't. Okay. And I didn't know that I didn't know that Jay was going to be acting like Drake the entire episode. Ugh. All right, so we'll throw in another uh, another uh, trigger warning for grooming talk. Yeah. Uh, uh, Drake, Jimmy. Drake. Anyway, um... Uh, okay, I'm going to get us back on track. Do you know where Silent Bob's nickname comes from? Where the character's nickname comes from, Danny? Not off the top of my head. 
um, from the 1989 Batman movie. He's he's named for Joker's main henchman Bob. Nice. Anyway. Anyway, um, oh, so, uh, so as this is happening, the scene happens. They finish it up. Um, Ashley and Craig are suddenly on set checking in with Kevin Smith. Craig is upset because Ashley's preparing to leave for England. Um, is kind of like making these kind of awkward jokes about her leaving and everything, and she's really upset that he's making these jokes. And he's just like, I'm just joking, I'm just joking, la la la. And it's just like, I think the thing about this episode, it reminds me a lot of, I know we were kind of like, it was fanfic, but not really like, you know, we don't want to disparage fanfic, but you want to know what type of fanfic this reminds me of? It reminds me of like the AUs where you put characters into an industry. Mm. And in those, I actually love those types of AUs where it's like, you know, it's a set or it's a... I don't know, it's like a stylist a place or it's a bar or something, but like everyone like is or a coffee shop where like everyone is kinda like has roles on the set or like roles in the shop. And like I actually really like those, but here it really doesn't make sense because it's like everyone is on the set, but like they're not professionals at all. Like they're just teenagers. Like he came like he came to Degrassi and cast from the school. Wouldn't you, you know, have your cast in in line before you went to fucking... Right, <laughs> right. Well, within the context of the episode, he was trying to, you know, scout different uh, places the previous episode as to where he was going to film in Canada. And so it makes sense that at least the extras would be, in, would be Canadian. Manny is the romantic lead. Right. That's... That's my counter-argument. The, there's... There's so much wrong with this episode. Let, let's, let's just <laughs> right. throw that out. Do you want to know what kind of fic it felt like to me? It felt like an author self-insert fic. We that, we talked a little bit about this last week too. Yeah, it's that that the thing is like if this was an author self-insert, Kevin Smith would have no flaws like the last episode. Like Kevin Smith is just like going around. He's solving problems. He's being a nice guy. He's dispensing wisdom. This is just kind of an asshole. Right. I would also, I also do want to defend, I think that people writing self-insert, while it's not my thing, I want to be clear that I don't hate the practice or anything like that. Like, I, I by no means hate the practice. Sometimes you gotta hang out with Goku. Right. Like, sometimes <laughs> you do just want to cuddle up with insert character name here and dick down. Like, that's fine. One of my favorite <laughs> comics is... Uh, an entire seven years of the author being a self-insert character and messing with the Mega Man universe. How can Perfect. I not love that? Perfect. Yeah, I just want to defend that because I know that self-inserts, I feel like they get a bad rap, and a lot of the time they get a bad rap because it's like women write them. Um, so but my this th- is different. My, my thing with women writing self-inserts, for me, like... I, I find there's a difference in writing male self-insert versus female. Well, I think there's a difference between, like, a cis man writing anything and, like, a not cis man writing anything. Fair enough. But, well, yes. But, like, okay, well, yeah, that's the... Basically, if the author is a straight, cisgender, white male, um, yeah, I'm gonna be like, mm, It's dubious. It's wish fulfillment. But, like, if it's a, like... Anybody else? Yeah, it's just like, well, you know who I don't see a lot of? Me! Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
That's true. And I think the the wish fulfillment comes through very strongly in this episode for Kevin Smith's part. But I think we should probably talk about that later in the episode. Right, right. So the episode continues with Caitlin interviewing Kevin Smith again. Um, Kevin Smith says that, you know, he he's a big fan of her. Um, and in the middle of the interview is just like, why are you like just doing fluff pieces when you used to help people? Um, did she? <laughs> right, right. That's my opinion. I'm like, mm, Kevin, did you actually watch her series? Because I have a feeling not so much. Um, but it's like really odd because not only is he like, hey, why the fuck are you doing this job while she's on air? But he's also like hitting on her during it. She's like super flustered. It's just a very, she cannot control him whatsoever as an interviewer. It's just this really uncomfortable thing because, I mean, there's two things here. One, Kevin Smith, the person, is married, um, which they do establish later on the episode is not, like, Degrassi (laughs) Kevin is not the same as married Kevin, but... If you have, if you made this episode for super fans to watch it, I'm sure many people watching the episode would know his marital status. So they were probably sitting there going, that's kind of weird without it being established at the jump. But also it's like, you're watching Caitlyn and you know that Caitlyn is with Joey and you've already seen Caitlyn get entangled in a relationship in which she was the other woman. And she's also been, she's also dated directors before. She's dated directors and she's been cheated on. Didn't Joey punch that director? Yeah. That was, like, the first episode. And also, like, she's... Oh, man, what if that just became a trope in this? Joey punches directors. She's been cheated on as well. It's, like, there's this lot of, like... I don't know. There's a lot of, like... I really don't like falling... I feel like cheating in, in series, it's very easy for fiction to write it because I think it's, like, a very easy drama grab. But I rarely see cheating go into kind of, like... I don't know, it doesn't ever really quite feel like it emotionally gets to the issues of what I find to be so devastating about cheating. Instead, they just kind of fall into these cycles where characters do it over and over and over again in the name of love, and then they end up cheating other on other people, which kind of contradicts the fact that they did it for love in the first place, and like... And in the words of my mom, um, whenever a man marries the mistress, all he does, all she does is create a job opening. Yeah, it's... And the words of Tim Kasher, once a cheater, always a cheater. Right, right. And <laughs> and none of these plots ever open up a sincere discussion of, like, polyamory, right? Like, none of them ever go, oh, I have feelings for this person I've been in a relationship with. I'm developing feelings for someone else. Is there an honest way to navigate this? And there is, but fiction, for all of the things that fiction can do, polyamory, at least on this level of media, is just non-existent, really. Which is a bummer. Um, So she's super flustered by him hitting on her. um, And it's just a very odd scene in general. The the thing also with this is just, like, Kevin keeps going for all the, like, Canadian stereotypes. Like, a boot and, like, oh, trees and whatnot. And I'm just, like, if if somebody came to, like, if somebody was hitting on me and, like, they weren't from Jersey, and they're like, oh, you want to get some, like, you know, seaside... Some some seaside Tonys and, like, go to the shore, I'm going to be like, what the fuck is your deal? Like, is this, like, is this, like, a weird fetish for you? (laughs) Like... I mean, I admit I'm a little guilty of that in this episode, making my own stupid boot-a-boot jokes. Yeah, but you're not hitting on somebody. Unless... (laughs) (laughs) unless later later (laughs) um but yeah it's like 
It's one of those things where it's, like, very... Yeah, it's just, like, really... Like, it's incredibly condescending. I think that's the thing that annoys me. It's just, like... It, it to me, just kind of comes off... Like, he just is, like, every other, like, film bro that I fucking hate. He's just, like, super condescending. He reduces other people's cultures and perspectives to, like, what he sees as the truth. And, like... Caitlin is such a frustrating character to me for many reasons, and she always gets under under my skin because I feel like she is never allowed to be as smart as she probably actually is supposed to be, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, this is a woman who has apparently traveled the world, who is very aware of social justice, and, like, all she does is come off very vapid. And it doesn't help that in the context of Degrassi, we only really see her in these relationship issues. Like, whenever Caitlyn has an episode, it's usually about her being unable to or being un- incapable of having emotional maturity for a situation. So it, it really sucks because I end up being like, I fucking hate Caitlyn. And the reason why I, I fucking hate her so much whenever she appears is because they never even, they never let her do anything outside of this. She just gets, like, talked down to by men constantly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, they end up at the, uh, dining services, Spinner and Jay are working there, apparently Jay got a, Jay, Degrassi Jay, has a job at, um, Through the Dot and is now doing the catering services for the movie. We'll we'll call Jay Hogart. You're right. Um, Jay Hogart. Well, well, or just Hogarth, just to differentiate. I mean, he's also not in the rest of the stuff, so... No, no, Craig... What, what, okay, sorry, does anybody know, what the fuck is Liberty spooning onto her tray? Uh... It's like some weird light brown thing that's kind of goopy looking. It's not poutine, is it? No, no, no poutine is just poutine. Fr- poutine is just disco fries. Yeah, mm. with like cheese curds. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's good. It's um, very good. But is, or let's put it this way, is it Kevin Smith's idea of what poutine looks like? I don't think Kevin Smith wrote or directed this episode. Really? Because it feels like he did both. No. Let me find out who wrote it. I mean, just in terms of the the amount of wish fulfillment from him and the amount of, uh, you know... No, he, he, I believe he did, in fact, direct the episode because that was one of the selling points on the DVD. Episodes directed by Kevin Smith. Oh, my fucking God. Uh, Graham Campbell. I was wrong. Directed it, and it was written by Aaron Martin, who we've seen a bunch of things before. Yeah, Graham Campbell wrote it. All right, directed. That may also explain why things that are clearly out of continuity with uh, real life are happening here, such as the fact that he had been married for six years when he starts... He already had a daughter. Like, there's no reason for any of this to have happened the way it did. We'll we'll get there when we talk about the the weird age gap thing that's about to happen, but let's talk about Ashley and Craig. Yeah, I mean, well, first Craig gets into an altercation seeing Spinner, calls him a scumbag. And he snaps at Jay because Jay and Jay is just like, uh, yo, I got a knife. What? What's good? I got a knife. Um, and Ashley is really upset because she jumps to the usual conclusion that she jumps to whenever Craig has an emotional outburst, which is like, are you off your pills? What's going on? And he's just like, that's really embarrassing that you keep asking me that. Um... And she's like, it's not that, like, you know, it's not that you not, like, you you and your medication are embarrassing, it's that your behavior is embarrassing. And 
But this stuff is really tough for me because I don't think, I don't feel that it's unrealistic in the sense that, like, I think that it's tough. It's, it's tough to be a teenager and have a partner going through this because it's not like people are, like, it's not like you're going to be able to find resources very easily. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you can go to, it's not like, like, you could go, if you go up to your parents and say, hey, I, I think I want to do, like, some couples therapy or, like, group therapy with my, uh, with my high school boyfriend, they'd probably be like, well, no, <laughs> just break up. So it's like part of me sympathizes with Ashley to a certain extent in the sense that she is somebody who does not have the tools really at this age to be able to be the most supportive partner and the best fit for Craig. But it's also really tough as a mentally ill person to watch her always make the assumption that if he has an outburst of some sort, it's because his bipolar is unchecked. And from that perspective, it also felt very, Mm -hmm. very... It felt cliche as someone who's never seen their relationship play out before. Yeah. I, I think that from from the outsider perspective, just hearing, you know, are you off your meds? Oh, good. It's not, It's another, don't worry, I'm on my meds. And, like, I was just waiting for the scene where he dumps them down the, dumps them down the toilet. And we'll get to that. Right. I mean, the other thing about it is, is, like, he has the emotional outburst. But also, Spinner and what Spinner has done, kind of, and Jay, like, what they have done, kind of, I could, like, I don't necessarily blame Craig for being pissed off at them and seeing them. Yeah, I would, like, (laughs) at this point, Spinner and Jay, like, the fact that they're not run out of town and tarred and feathered, like, kind of... They already did it to somebody, so... Oh. I did not mean to reference that. It's okay. And that was paint, but whatever. Like, same same energy. Same yeah. terrible. But it's just like, I still don't understand how they're not brought up on charges of any kind. I mean, they they should be. Yeah, like... Also, Jay, I'm pretty sure, would be, like, of legal age to be. Yeah, it's fucking Jay. But, um, but, yeah, like, it's just like... I understand that, like, she is uncomfortable by his anger, and I think that's, like, a real issue that I think happens in, in some relationships where it's, like, if you have... It, it's it's not fair, because I think that having big emotions is not a problem. It's, you know, it's a balancing act, right? Like, you can have big emotions. You just gotta kind of navigate it. And it's not necessarily, like, if, if he's angry because of that, you... That's not really something I can really blame him for because what Spinner and Jay did and how it resulted in the injury of Jimmy, as horrible as Rick is, I don't blame him for being like, you fucked up my best friend and I fucking hate you. Yeah, like, whatever. (laughs) There's, There's levels to what is going on. And the episode is not a lot. The episode is trying to shut off and be conditional when those levels apply. Yeah, I I think it's also, like, I think because of the Kevin Smith and Jane Muse thing, it had to be accessible for, like, folks, so... That's a good point. To, like, new folks coming in who are like, oh my god, like, these two, like, so just, we gotta hit all the points of just, like, Ashley and Craig, they are dating, and Craig is bipolar, he takes medication, and, like... Well, as, as you know, like... That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so, you know, going into the... In the first episode, when Craig originally, 
you know, came in and what the first episode of the uh, the three parts that Kevin Smith uh, guest starred in, you know, I had no idea that Craig was bipolar. So yeah, they very much had to establish it quickly and get it going forward because these episodes were being were being to a degree catered to the periphery audience that was going to be coming in through the uh, Jay and Silent Bob VOSQ universe fandom. Yeah. By the way, what are you saying? You're saying Viewiskewis? Viewiskew Productions is the name. Viewiskew Productions is the name of Kevin Smith's production company. Movies that take place with Jay and Silent Bob or in the same universe where Jay and Silent Bob are are in the Viewiskew universe. Okay. Um. So yeah. So speaking of that universe, um, we cut to another. Before we cut to that, I just wanted to make a little comment about how uh, at at one point during Craig and Ashley's fight, he talks about how there are crazy people in England, and he references two people, Jack the Ripper and Mad Cow Disease. We haven't gotten there yet. That's when he's talking to Joey. Oh, I've... I thought of sorry. This is why I take these very detailed notes and why it takes me forever to get through these episodes. Because I (laughs) I run the show. Anyway. Um so we go to another scene. So we we have this this episode is really cut up with also these scenes that happen which they're filming, which also something I was thinking about toward the end of the episode is that the scenes that they are filming go in order of the movie, which is not how movies are done. Um I was thinking about that too. I'm like why are they do? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yes, they did that first. Why is this the next? You know, m- movies are not filmed this way. Also, also, man, I don't want to see this movie. Right, it's like such an unappealing movie because uh, Manny is like making like making like a reference to how she's underage as Jay's hitting on her. Up until that point, I would have, as a Jane Silent Bob fan, <laughs> wanted to see a movie where Jane Silent Bob are idiots in Canada. I mean, there's stuff later on like Canadian Ninjas, which I think would have been awesome to watch. The problem is that we're looking at a slightly different, you know, Jay and Silent Bob within the canon of Degrassi. For some reason, this version of Jay is really is gross, really gross, incredibly gross. I mean, like I said, it's not the first time he's ever, you know, been misogynistic or sexually inappropriate towards women. But this is the first time in my memory of them, at least, that he's doing so towards underage girls. Right. Like, there's a... It's still not great, but, like, the predatory aspect and the way that it carries through the whole entire episode. And there's weird lines, and I'll get into them when we get to them. But, like, it also is really gross because after he hits on her and she walks off, he says, you know, there's laws against it, but I'm going to marry Apollonia. And I was just like, scusi. And then there's... Excuse me? Yeah, and then Ellie's there. Yeah. She's in a really cliched goth look. My note was she's in a cliched goth look saying that he put the ick pathetic. And then afterwards she goes up to Ashley and she's just like, can you believe this shit? I look like an 80s goth. They wanted that, apparently. Which I thought was really funny. (laughs) Um... And Jay calls her Marilyn Manson. Um, Kevin I, I f- says, I fought to cast you. You're the fucking director. Well, there's that. <laughs> and then it's like, so 
Craig, uh, like, Craig is talking to him, and Craig is convinced that Ashley will leave him for some, like, hot British guy. And Jay just begins to stroke Ellie's hair, and she just is, like, super, like, what the fuck, and walks off. Um, and Kevin makes, like, a weird passive comment about, like, how it's weird. Um, but also it's, like, one, you're the director. Two, the way that he's talking about this insinuates that the actor is the fucking creep. It's not inherently the way that it's written, but that he is going off the rails and being creepy, and not just being creepy on set, but being creepy off set. And that is really worrisome to me as, like, a... What, like, what are you co-signing to be said about this actor? I don't know much about this actor at all. Um, I hope he's not a predator, but... So far, he has not shown any signs, but... Given everything we've learned about everyone in the past, who knows? We we don't know. What we do know is that he does have a substance abuse problem. I don't know if that has that should not and does not translate to other problems, but you know, he could have gone to some dark paths while he was before he went into recovery. Well, struggling with addiction does not yeah, mean you're going to exactly. Be a- that, right. that's, but that's also like a almost that's almost like a worse implication here because you're watching somebody who if you're watching the show you know if you're a fan of it you probably know that he has substance abuse issues and then he's being a fucking cr- there's a lot of really bad implications that if you really sit and think about it in we, this episode similar to like the homelessness which we'll talk about oh yeah there's a lot of pretty ugly connections being made with the points of marginalization that some of these characters have. And I think I forget. Did we establish that this is a bad episode? I don't. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, we, I, we the, said that we had to put the season to bed. I think we were pretty upfront. Yeah, no, this, this episode sucks. It's it's really not a good episode. <laughs> I, I was very afraid coming in that I would be the complete neophyte and outsider coming in saying this episode really sucked. And you know, while I don't regret coming on the podcast to talk about it. I do regret having to spend 51 minutes of my life, uh, sometimes at 1.5 speed for the co- for the comedy of it, watching this. But I'm uh, it was kind of relieving that everyone else was just like, "Yeah, this episode is not good." We don't tend to have too much like dissension on these episodes. Like, it feels pretty much like maybe people don't hate the episode as much. But what we've noticed with our guests is if, like, if, like, I feel like we've rarely had a time where somebody went on to it and was, like, vehemently, like, defending an episode in front, like, or, or the opposite, like, they were saying, like, no, this episode fucking sucks, you two are, like, not thinking. It's just, like, nobody wants to die on the hill defending Degrassi. No, no, because it's the thing, it's, like, the, the disappointing thing about episodes like this, and really from here on out, every episode they bungle mental illness, is the fact that they have discussed mental illness really well in other episodes. Yeah. So anytime that they fuck up the discussion of mental illness especially, you're comparing it to itself. It's not even like there are other, you know, oh, I saw this movie and it handled it much better, or I read this book and it handled it much better. No, you're going, no, in season two, you actually handled this much better and with much more nuance. Or you handled this in season three much better. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. That's I think that's the disappointing piece. If if Degrassi consistently just I hate that it's bad at race, but I know going into an episode, okay, it's probably not going to be good at it. 
it's not the same as like when you go into a mental illness related episode because then you're like, well, Degrassi's done well before, and then you feel the disappointment of the fact that like you can go back into its canon and see when it didn't suck at it. Yeah, like the, the, that is like Donnie. I think you also kind of summed up the problem of season four. Yeah, of just like we've seen Degrassi handle better, bigger issues than a school shooting. And, like, you had this big issue, and they fumbled it so fucking poorly. Yeah, and they fumbled the trauma of it. Meanwhile, they have discussed trauma, even at the beginning of the season, with far more grace than at the aftermath of the shooting. Yeah. Um, So we go from um, Kevin telling Jay to knock it off on Hitting on Teens, which he will not listen to, Mm -hmm. to the media immersion lab, where Caitlin tells Craig to hide his porn, from his stepmom. It's interesting that she's calling herself that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Craig's like, says this pointedly, Simpson won't allow us to get porn in here. He has online officer. And at no point has this been discussed, but apparently Craig is thinking about going to England. Well, it was discussed in the last scene because it was basically like Kevin is like, you oh, right. should hang out with her in London, her being Ashley. And then she catches him looking up a potential music program, and she's just like, yeah, why not? Like, go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, any teens in the sound of my voice, here's something for everybody to know. When you make big plans like this, talk to your partner first. Do not just make assumptions. Yeah, it, it doesn't, but I think the thing is, is like, with Craig, it's like, yeah, he should do that, but an adult, a grown-ass adult, is telling him it's okay. This is the, I think this is the reason in, uh, Kevin Smith does not end up with the girl. Yeah. <laughs> in, or in his words, because he tells people to do dumbass things like this. Right, and it's like, it would have been an interesting thing if it took it in a way that it was like, this person from Hollywood comes in, this person from Hollywood is so obsessed with storytelling and so obsessed with cliche that they try to make all these people fit out, fit a script. And in the process of trying to force them to fit a script, they all end up worse off for it. That would be interesting and insightful. But that's not really what happens in this episode. But it would have been interesting if it was like, he just tried to swoop in, he's trying to like make this small town his own type like story. And... That's just not how it works out. It's just... It feels like another missed opportunity. Like, they were already pushing the boundaries of the reality of the series at this point. They might as well have, like, gone entirely, like, entirely different perspective. Yeah. And you know what? This was also would have been a good spot to bring in, like, hockey. Because he's a huge hockey fan. Right. But anyway. Anyway. Um... So we cut then to Caitlin's. Caitlin's just zipping all over the place. She hits her yep. her studio, and this is actually I did kind of like this line. Um, I'm a really big fan of the Canadian. Uh, I'm trying to get the Canadian flag into every shot of the movie because I'm a really big fan of the Canadian flag. So was Muse until he figured out it was a Maple Leaf instead of the Wacky. Which that felt like Kevin Smith. Like that felt like actual Kevin Smith and Jay Muse. Yeah. No, that that made sense. Although it even. He even felt like they could have ended the joke at until Jay figured out it was it was a maple leaf, and you know th- that's where you do. I think that the reason that joke felt flat, flat with me was because it was a, you know, they say show don't tell. If you'd stopped the joke there, then you still would have gotten the effect for those who understood. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um... But yeah, so as she's doing this, Tomas is asking her to be dishy and, like, you know, try and get, like, gossip. Which is also really odd to me because Tomas was seen as somebody who was in, in cahoots with her with her more groundbreaking stuff. So it's weird seeing Tomas just be a different person. No, but... As, but, but like, he could have been like, look, I know this is what you used to do. But in this show, we gotta be gossipy. We gotta get like you know, we gotta get the dirt. Well, it doesn't make sense for it to be referred to as like have her be doing a different segment instead of local heroes. Right, that like, too. Like have it be like coffee talk with Caitlin. Right, like it's 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 like that like it, it's just a very odd thing going on. And Tomas, we have already seen in the past acting otherwise, so why didn't they just get a different producer? Like, that's literally all they had to do was just get a different producer. Um, and as she's doing editing stuff, she wants to keep a comment that he makes about Bush. It's when you remember what era you were in. Um, and then as she's, like, going through the editing stuff, she gets a phone call, and her face just entirely shifts. Um, and that tension that she gets when she gets the phone call carries into the next scene at Joey's, where she's super distracted as Joey's talking about, like, oh, I sold two SUVs today, ha, ha, ha. And she's like, yeah, but what about the environment? And he's like, but money. <laughs> um, and she brings up that a broadcaster in L.A. wants to revive her series Ryan's Planet, um, but she turned it down because she can't leave her family. Uh, and Joey takes it as, like, wow, what an honor to even be asked. Um, and instead of them really, like, hashing out the implications of this, she just kind of goes, oh, by the way, in the garage, Craig is waiting for you, he wants to talk to you about something. Um. They go to the garage, when they go to the garage, Joey's like, I'm supposed to be open, so let's hear it, and Craig brings up that there's a music program in Camden, um, right? In yes. England, yes. I've never been. <laughs> He's like, there's a music program in Canada. <laughs> Jersey! <laughs> Craig, no. <laughs> Let's go somewhere else. Um, but Joey Joey is upset hearing this, and his, his viewpoint is six months ago you were hospitalized, and then you were diagnosed with bipolar. Um, and worried about, and he's worried about something going wrong. And my gut reaction to this is like, oh, Jesus, fuck. If I was told, like, you can't do anything fun after you got diagnosed, like, I would not have done anything, like, for five months. <laughs> the past five months, I would have done nothing. Okay, well, the thing, the thing is... I know, he's a baby, and he's leaving, he's leaving home. I, I know. It, it's tough, because I think that what, what this could have been framed as is this could have been a sincere look at how people people who are either neurotypical or not really like this flavor of mental illness i'll say um tend to think that people who are this flavor of mental illness need to kind of be coddled and i think this could have been an interesting look at like how craig has been being treated he's tired of being treated the way that he is and is not being seen as a person Mm -hmm. And this could have been an interesting look at, like, how people may say that they care, but are ultimately not doing what's best for the person to be an autonomous human being. But that's not what this episode's trying to do. Well, I mean, I honestly thought, like, that this was for once Joey trying to be a good dad. Yes, that's Cause, true. Because it's not, like, he's not saying, like, he's, you know, he's worried about his boy who has... 
like, Craig has had such a rocky past. He has. Like, especially with Joey, and I'm just like, yeah, no, I'd want to, like, for me, it's just, like, prove you can, and then you will. Yeah, I guess my thing is, is that it would have been nice if Joey brought up a compromise. Like, hey, if if you want to do a music program, if that's what you want to do, let's find something that's closer. Something that, like, I'll be able to get to you if you need me. Yeah, I mean, I think he eventually does come to a better spot in that. He does, he does. It's just, I'm in a position in my life right now where I am very sensitive toward this stuff. Yeah. So my mileage may vary. Um... But Craig responds in a way that he's really upset. He's like, hey, like, I guess I'm too much of a psycho to get to this country anyway. Um, and then this is where he compares himself to Jack the Ripper and Mad Cow Disease. Um, but I think the thing is also, like, the piece here is, like, there is so much internalized ableism that Craig has developed for many reasons. I think this is a very natural thing for someone, especially if they have... It's like... the There's attention that is really hard to talk about. And I understand that it's not the most comfortable thing to talk about, but like there is a notable divide between like folks who have like depression and anxiety and folks who have mental illnesses that are different than that. Um, And it's a really difficult uh, intercommunal or is it intracommunal? Intracommunal. Intracommunal. Unless you're counting them as separate communities. No, they're the same. Intracommunal. Intracommunal. It's a very difficult intracommunal tension that I that is really hard to talk about just as a member of it, but also as like, you know, even talking about it in media is really hard. But I think it's a very real internalized issue that I think a lot of folks who are not within the depression and anxiety circle feel, where it's like, I have mental illness symptoms that are uglier and that are more difficult, and I am more difficult because of it, and I see myself now as more of a burden than other folks who are mentally ill. And I think that's a piece that is not talked about enough in this episode. Like, this piece of him just, like, always seeing himself as the source of frustration, always being surrounded by people who say that they love him but also are inconvenienced by him, and how that's such, like, a horrible, alienating experience to go through. Even if they themselves have their own issues, even if they themselves have their own... I mean, Joey, we've seen, has had a really tough situation himself, even though he's seen other folks who have... Ashley's had depressive episodes, things like that. He still feels separated, alienated, and a burden. And that, and that's very interesting because I I think this is a case where I'm within the depression anxiety with the scooch PTSD. Mm, but tasty. Yeah, and I I can see the, but the interesting thing is at least from my perspective, even during the depress depressive and anxiety or anxious moments, I still feel like a burden to my. You know, it's a question of you know to what degree do we do we say to you know pe- to neurotypical people, you know, I I appreciate the degree to which you are trying to look out for me, but there are some things that you don't seem to be getting here. Right, right, and especially I don't know, like when it's 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 just it's just a really tough, sad subject that I don't think they give themselves enough time to go into to truly deep dive in because i think that there was a lot to be said about the, just that line alone the fact that he goes around i'm too psychotic to go into a different country oh also i'm gonna compare myself to a fucking serial killer and like a disease that literally gives you holes in your brain 
Which also, by the way, trauma gives you holes in your brain. So, like, that's also something to think about. But me stares into the middle distance, thinks about my how my short-term memory is shot. <laughs> it's good. It's fine. It's okay. But it's interesting. that that What I'm getting at is that there's a lot of things that I think could be unpacked here, and I think this is where the story could have gone. But instead, we kind of end up on this train of sorts that puts me in a really uncomfortable place, especially in the later half of the episodes. Yeah. Um, next up. Movie set. Paige is in a scene. There's another weird sex joke. Um, Kevin hates it, he, but also he's the director. He can make this stop. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. It's like, we're not watching Kevin Smith, like, I don't even fucking know, the, the, the fucking, like, not Big Boss. Like, he's the director. He could do something. And if he's doing it anything through View is he's also the, he is also the producer on top of being the director. Right. He has a lot more autonomy than he is giving on, or that he's letting on. This is where... I have three notes in a row. What is with Jay? Jay is such a cretin. And why is Jason in character as Jay, even when he's off? Right. Right. Like, it's just like, what a bad way to, like, have yourself be portrayed to a bunch of teenagers who may not have seen your movies. From from what I've heard from Kevin Smith's talks and whatnot, like... The way Jay was when he was they were growing up was Jay would talk a big game... But then the minute a like girl came into like earshot, he would like shut up like immediately, and then like the minute they were gone, he would just start talking like again. Oh my gosh! Like, you know, he he honestly, I'm like, yeah, he sounds about like every kid I grew up with. Yeah. Um. So Paige stomps away. <laughs> well, I mean, like stomps away because there's nothing else you can do in one of those. Aircast boots. I've worn many in my lifetime. Have you really? Oh, I when I used to run, I like bashed up my legs so badly. Like I can't, I can't run anymore. Like it's my back and my leg. It just friends me. No. The thing, the funny thing was, at one point, like I hurt my leg and I took all the paraphernalia I had, and they're like, "Okay, well, we'll just get you fit for a boot." Like. I got this. <laughs> I have my problem. I'm bringing the boot. Like, Jesus. I'm like, yep, it's happened a few times. Oh, no. I strapped my ankle into, like, the one thing and then strapped myself in the boot. <laughs> like, you're really good on those clutches. Like, yep. <laughs> so I used to run, like, four miles a day. Like, Jesus. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. But can't do that no more. Um, so then, like, uh, Caitlin and Kevin have yet another conversation Kevin saying, um, you should fucking go for it, move to LA. Um, Jay being like, I bet you two want to make a dirty movie. Right! Like, he's like, you want to make an X-rated movie? I'm sitting there, I'm like, what the fuck? Yo, what the fuck? Okay, and in another talk, um, Kevin Smith also pointed out he watched Jamie's The Sex Tape. And then reviewed it, <laughs> essentially. Those two are apparently friends forever, and that's what you do. Yeah, fair enough. No, fair enough. that's not what you do. Those two are just fucking weird. I mean, you've never been in a situation in which your friend has had a sex tape, have you? And where you've had to make the decision. That's because he doesn't. Because I don't what? We'll talk later. We'll talk later. 
I don't like what. Look at my friend's porn. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I just, I just. Have you been presented with the opportunity to? No. Okay. And if I was, I wouldn't, because like, fucking, I don't want to think about that. Oh. Maybe this is a gay thing, because I have seen many a saucy selfie made by a friend, and I've definitely been like, thumbs up, good job. Well, no, like my sister talks about that, like that they'll like. Girls send each other pics and be like, yay or nay, like, and like, yeah. Like, it only becomes bad when you start spreading it around. Oh. Like, we talked about on the uh, Power Rangers episode of Teen Girl Talk. Oh, I thought... Because that's what Kimberly's in detention for. I, I think I I think I misconstrued what, 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 I misunderstood what you were suggesting. I thought, like, I didn't realize it was like a leaked sex tape. I thought it was just, bro, I have this sex tape. He's like, all right, I'll watch it and review it. Well, no, like... Apparently, like, he, um, gave Kevin Smith the, like, Jay gave Kevin Smith a copy of the tape of his, like, proposal to his, you know, soon-to-be wife, and then also a copy of the, the tape they made after. Okay. <laughs> and, and, like, Kevin Smith, that's the one Kevin Smith, like, threw away the proposal thing, so it's like, 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 who the fuck cares? <laughs> but, yeah, no, like, I'm not gonna watch that. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> Jesus, um, anyway, so Paige stomps off in her boot, um, Caitlin then approaches, then we have the porn comment, just trying to remind us where we were, um, and she then is like, thank you for making that call from LA happen, and she's like, I said no, because I have my family, I have the show that I'm on, um, and he's just like, straight up like, your work is beneath you. Like, you, you're interviewing, like, a D-grade celebrity. Like, what are you doing with your life right now? Which, you're not, you're a fucking stranger, dude. <laughs> like, I understand you're a fan. And sure, there's something to be said about, like, what she is doing now and, and things like that. But it's like... It, it's this whole weird thing of, like, you can't just start presenting people... Huge life-changing moments, like, without their say-so. Well, there's that, number one. And number two, she's saying her family. Has she explicitly said Fumbly. she's with Joey right now? Yeah, fun, fun bully. I did not know that Joey was a character until... Okay. Because, like, if, if someone says family to me... Yeah, no, I, I think that it's potentially there's a partner there. Because in the, um... In the first episode, that's how she introduces Craig to... To Kevin Smith. Like, this is my sort of stepson. There you go. So, so when when she says family, she definitely is saying there's somebody else in the picture. Yeah. Hello. Um, so, it's, it's also that kind of weird thing where it's like, it's not like she is saying that, you know, she is single and apprehensive to, to make a sudden life change. She's saying that she has a legitimate reason to be anchored to this area. And, like, you know, sometimes you do have to make compromises, and that's okay. Like, that doesn't make you a horrible person, doesn't make you a horrible creator, or doesn't make you anything but just a person who has a family that wanted to stay there. No. But we're back in the editing room. Tomas kicks her out because um, he says that he needs, like, gossip of everything and says that he would prefer him talking about his gay dog. What? Is that Shecky? What? He has a gay dog? Well, I mean, like, the, nothing, like, nothing in Kevin Smith's life is 
off like limits. Yeah, actually. Hang Who's on. searching Kevin Smith's gay dog? Um, because like I figured it was just hyperbole. I thought I, so too. I was, I was a little checked out of the episode by this point, to be completely honest. I don't blame it's you. It's the first one of two, right? <laughs> I I watched it as a straight through both episodes. Um. Yeah. Um. But okay, whatever. You you guys look at the gay dog, or Donnie, you look at the gay dog. Ta- Tomas wants to hear about Benifer. You know, remember when... Jersey Girl. Right. God. Ben Affleck and... What was it? Jennifer Garner? Jennifer Lopez? Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez. Lopez. Jennifer Garner was until later. Oh, Jennifer Lopez. You could have done so much better. <laughs> Gay dog. Hell, now Jennifer Lopez could do so much better. Like, uh, I, I need to see Hustlers. They are rented tonight. Um, all my Kevin Smith searching is everyone trying to figure out if he's alive or dead. <laughs> well, that, that's That's because of his heart attack. Yeah. Um, he, he, I'm finding nothing about... He's looking great now, though. Like, I'm really happy he lost the weight. But, you know, not for appearance reasons, but for health reasons. I'm not seeing anything about gay dog. I'm seeing something about a big helium dog. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is that this was also around the time that Legally Blonde 2 came out. So he could have just been referencing the gay dog from Legally Blonde 2. The dog is gay in Legally Blonde 2? Yep. What the fuck? Long story. Hmm. Oh, boy. Really not worth pursuing. So, Caitlin does what Caitlin does best, which is overreact and quit. (laughs) Or or overreact and make a bad move. Yeah. It's, it's, she just, she quits, and then we end up in the movie theater. Um, Dahlia makes her, her (laughs) weekly appearance, just destroying everything because she wants attention. (laughs) Sorry, um, everyone. She's just she's needy. Um, so Craig is playing part of the song to Jimmy. Jimmy says it's good, but then starts making up lyrics about Ashley. Um, Joey approaches. Uses a terrible term for an angle there. Oh, oh, the yes. limey. Yeah. And uh, the one note I wrote there is Drake's lyrics are worse than his ghostwriters. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Joey then approaches Craig in a public space to say that he's sorry, um, to which Craig says, you don't believe I'm better, which once again, I think is the important part of this whole entire thing, right? It's, it's the tension of living in this space and being surrounded by people who don't believe you are anything more than your illness. That's what this should be about. Anyway, he's still doing this with Jimmy's right here. Um... And then Joey reveals that they're up the plane tickets and then also has, like, conditions about how he has to check in and how he has to, like, have, like, certain, like, he has to disclose his illness to the camp that he's at, which feels like something very neurotypical to say, but that is, I understand, I understand, I understand. Joey's acting as a parent, he's not acting as a mental health advocate. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's what you have to keep in mind with this episode. So apparently Craig just sprints, I'm guessing, from the mall to Ashley's house. Right. Ashley is packing up a car. There's little, like, flash, like, flames behind it. Right. Ashley is, like, packing up a car of, like, everything. She's surprised to see him. Um, And then... Craig puts a very heavy piece of luggage in, and he's like, what you got in here? 
She's like, every shoe I own, so, you know, lots of boots. Right, duh. Very, very much so. Because um, don't forget, I'm a goth. <laughs> Not really anymore, unfortunately. I miss goth. I miss goth, Ashley. Um, I think that was my favorite iteration. But um, he then says, like, oh, yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to be, like, a day or two late. And she says that, like, you can't follow me. Um, are you off your meds? The usual stuff. Um, and she's like, you know, I need space. And he's confused as to what she means. And then she says, I need space from you specifically. And then, of course, she's just like, email me, okay? And here's the thing. I do understand where Ashley is coming from. Mm-hmm. I do. Especially as a teenage girl who does not have the tools to, to manage a interpersonal relationship with this level of complexity. But it's also like... It's it sucks because I can't really blame Ashley, and there's a part of me that can't really blame Craig because ultimately it's an example of how the adults in his life led him astray. Like, the adults should have been like, hey, you should check in with Ashley to see if that's what she actually wants. But also, it feels like if Joey was saying you have to check in with Ashley's dad, that reads to me that he checked in with Ashley's dad. So, like, did every adult just fuck up and did not think to say, hey, either we should ask Ashley how she feels or you should ask Ashley how you feel? Mm-hmm. I mean, my thing is, just like, considering their normal level of parenting, they might just assume, oh, they talked, the, the two kids talked about this. Also, I don't, I don't think Ashley's mom was involved. I think it would be very different. Nope. <laughs> I just not be like, ah, no. I also get the feeling that no one in this episode is making good decisions. No. It feels like as soon as the adults are involved, nobody makes good decisions. There's there's a term, the idiot ball, and literally everyone is passing it around like a hot potato. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the thing. Not to say that... <laughs> Danny, thank you for giving me the subtitle for this episode. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's passing the idiot ball. It's true. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing that that bothers me about this is just, like, like, I just keep thinking about Ashley's mom would be like, no fucking way this is happening. This is not happening. Was Ashley's mom opposed to their relationship? Yes. Yes. Ashley's mom notoriously is very hands-off in the sense that she trusts Ashley, but the only time that she has truly, like, gone in and, like, tried to change or try to like involve herself has been within the context of craig when after after he cheated on her and her and her mental state like took a hit so he he, to her her issues with craig were just that she did not trust him because of the past cheating and And also the whole instance incident at the wedding didn't exactly but she had issues before that Mm -hmm. i want to be clear i think her grief with craig really was not inherently because of his mental illness i think it was just straight up she because he cheated on her and then she had to pick up ashley's pieces afterwards which i don't blame her for having that apprehension anyway clearly mama kerwin was not involved because this would not have happened (laughs) um but yeah so Ashley needing space does make sense. Um, And Craig is just kind of beside himself as she drives away. Yep. And that's a cut on Ashley. I I did get spoiled a little bit. I know she's not in season five. Yeah, she's away for a little bit. Um, Um, Cut to Kevin and Caitlin talking at the bar. Caitlin's getting very drunk. 
Um, and he, Kevin is trying to cut her off. Um, she then asks if he's gay. What? <laughs> what? I got nothing. Yeah, I'm just okay. Like e- even if we're looking at the, even if we're looking at this alternate universe wherein Kevin Smith is not happily married to a reporter for six years, we are still. Wait, wait, wait! Whoa, whoa! Wait, time out. He's married to a reporter. Uh, there was a story going out that Kevin Smith had done the uh, had done all of the writing for Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. and his now wife Jennifer Schwalbach came out to uh, interview him. They had rapport. They hit it off. They had a Harley Quinn, and they got married. His daughter is named Harley Quinn. Of course she is. But time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. So you mean to tell me? That maybe we're looking at this episode incorrectly. Maybe we're looking at these episodes incorrectly. Maybe this is just an AU of his relationship with his wife. What if Caitlin is just a fictionalized version of his wife? Then I know what their first time together was like because he said that in a talk. Great. So you know how Caitlin and Kevin Smith's first time is. Good. But <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe I am. Why does Kevin Smith share so much? <laughs> Why do you listen to it? Because it's funny. He's a very good public speaker. That's actually a note that I've written down here. At, right after married for six years, Kevin's actually s- s- charming at points, but this just, like, it didn't work for me knowing, knowing what I know about Kevin as a person. And I think that, you know, 18 or 19-year-old me could, could deal with it because, you know, what happened was... Uh, I'm assuming friend of the show, Chris, mm-hmm. is uh, was the one who actually turned me on to this because they were watching Degrassi back then, mm-hmm. and they knew that I that I was a big Jane Silent Bob fan. So they're like, "Oh, I forgot to ask you your relationship with Degrassi. I screwed up. I haven't had a new guest on in a while." Well, I mean, I I kind of made it clear these are the only three episodes I've ever watched. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. But yeah, it's, um, I'm going to just, I'm going to treat this as an AU of Kevin's marriage now, and that's how I'm going to cope with these episodes. Fair enough. I would treat it as an AU of Degrassi itself. Yeah, that might be helpful too. All right, can we, well, it seems anyway, like everyone is out of we're, character. We're so close to finishing this, this First episode. episode. Anyway, so she's like, are you gay? And then he's like, did you think I was? And she's like, kind of. And he's like, right on, which honestly is the only way to respond to that. Um... He says that he's not married, um, which re, you know, which is of course a bit too little, too late, Degrassi writers. Um, and then he talks about how his love interest goal is to find somebody who is the Iris, which is kind of a sweet sentiment, very film bro, but a sweet sentiment in which you find somebody and it's kind of like when, when the shot kind of closes in on the person. He says, he explains the whole entire thing, but he wants to find someone that kind of gives him that emotional moment. The thing with, like, the Charlie Chaplin reference is I thought he was going to go with, um, like, the way Charlie Chaplin met his wife. Which is, like, Charlie Chaplin was at a party, and he's just like, I can make people do whatever I say with just, like, a snap of my fingers or whatever. Um, and, like, he leaned over to this woman who just said, just, and he says, just play along. 
and he snapped his fingers, and she just, like, went for it. Really? Yeah, and then, like, they fell in love, and they were married for, like, I I believe until their deaths. Huh. Um, And also, Una Chaplin, his great-granddaughter, is in Game of Thrones. Oh, yes, I actually might have known that. Um, So, uh, Caitlin smooches him, freaks out, and runs away. (laughs) Yep. Classic Caitlyn, honestly. Classic uh, fucking Caitlyn. She runs back to... I like how it says in the transcript, at Craig's house, as if he's the homeowner. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we end up at Joey's. Craig is melting into the couch. Joey's watching sport ball. Um, I don't even remember what sport it was. That's why I'm saying that. Um, I, knew, I knew it was a shit and said hockey. <laughs> I don't think it was hockey, though. I think it was baseball. <laughs> no, I'm just being an asshole. I know. Like, Canadian hockey. Ooh. Ugh, one of those. Um, but I'm, I'm Kevin Smith in this episode. <laughs> so um, the funny thing about this is that from the non from the non fan perspective of Degrassi, I kind of came into this episode. I'm like, who is this guy again? Having only seen the previous episode, right? And then, and then Frank's just like, this is Joey from the original Degrassi. I'm like, oh. he wore a hat. He wore a hat. That's all I know about him in the original Degrassi. He was fucking Tessa Campanelli. um anyway um so joey's like ashley was excited right and craig's like yeah so much oh my god uses a bunch of adjectives we're so in love so in love so enthralled so great um and then caitlin comes in as like joey's like craig's like i gotta go to bed and as he's going to bed caitlin comes in he like she like tackles and straddles joey um kisses him and everything and he's and like, she's like I'm, can you make me a bad time oh my god <laughs> but yeah she's like marry me in like a super like drunken voice and he's just like yes of course and i'm just like oh god help me why am I here? Meanwhile, in the bathroom, Craig stares at a pill and tosses it. Yeah, that <laughs> that felt like. I don't. I don't know if you, you've said that Degrassi handles mental illness very well in certain episodes. Mm-hmm. This felt like a storm of cliches to me. As yes, it's. And then, the, he, then he sadly pulled down a calendar page. You're like, oh no, Craig's dying of a mysterious illness. <laughs> also. <laughs> Here's the thing about... And he vomited, you're like, and he's pregnant? <laughs> here's my issue with this whole entire thing. For context, here's my take. My take was Craig was a better portrayal of bipolar disorder before the big episode that he got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, I actually felt like they were... They were leading... It, they were winding it up pretty well um, because he was beginning to have more manic episodes and things like that. And, like... He was getting, he was, he was showing an adequate amount of symptoms that you could make a case for him having it, but also not just throwing everything at the wall and st- seeing if it sticks. It felt like he was a very concentrated type of bipolar that made sense as, for him, but also as like a character that is bipolar. And then the big episode, which we had our pal Joey on, not to be confused Degrassi Joey, um, we we talked about that episode because once that episode happened, they started throwing every single symptom, which I think happens way way too easily with like we're going to show different types of mental illness. 
Because it's like, there's criteria. You're not going to fit every single moment of the criteria at all times. Like, you probably have, like, five out of nine or whatever the, the combination is. So, unfortunately, since then, it feels like they don't really know how to write him anymore. Which is a shame because I felt like he was a way better take on it before they did the big diagnoses reveal. Um, but they also missed a lot of opportunities in the sense that, like, they did this thing where it's like he he had a bipolar, like he was bipolar, he had like a really bad episode, he got hospitalized, and then they skip over his hospitalization, they skip over his emotional process of coming to this diagnosis, and instead by the time we see him, he's like, yeah, I'm bipolar. So they miss even that journey, right? Like the journey of diagnoses and like what that's like on a person. Um, so it is kind of disappointing. Um, but... In the past, he was portrayed much better as an abuse survivor. He was portrayed much better as a person who has gone through trauma. Ellie, this is not, you know, not the greatest showing for Ellie, although it's not her fault. She's getting fucking hit on by a creep. Ellie struggles with self-harm, and that's written very, very well. She also has her own family-related trauma. Um, a lot of characters have gone through things and have had that written pretty well. It's just they really started falling into this trap of, like, throwing a bunch of symptoms. Even the symptoms that Craig presents in this episode are not necessarily what he presented in the past episodes. And that's not to say that you can't present certain symptoms differently at different times. Like, that definitely happens, too. But it really comes off more like they are rattling off symptoms off of, like, a, like the Mayo Clinic page as opposed to, like, this is how this mental illness plays out for this character. Also, does Craig get his own bathroom? I guess so. That's sick as hell. <laughs> it looked like he didn't because uh, something that happens later in the episode. Oh. But he stares at a pill, he tosses it. Um, in the morning, he's packing up his stuff in the car. Joey says that he's proud. Craig tell, And then as soon as he says his goodbyes, Craig goes into the car and tells the driver that they're not going to the airport. End of episode. We're going to the only other place in this town, Degrassi School. Right. So we go into the beginning of the first ep- of the fir- second episode, and we are at set. Um, Caitlin's getting her hair done by Spike. Um, Spike asks if she's... <laughs> there's, there's no, like... Once again, this is where it comes off like a fanfic in the sense of, like, in a fanfic... If I'm, like, fucking reading, like, a Fire Emblem fanfic, suddenly Hilda is, like, the hairstylist and, like, I don't fucking know, Edelgar's the director and all that shit. That's fine because I know that I'm reading an AU in which they are putting on a movie and that's funny. But in this, it's, like, really? That's who he has? He is, he is Spike? Spike is, is the, 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 like, one of the lead but, stylists? But there are, like, there are unions. Right! Like, like, you can't just show up, like, you can't just show up in, like, New York City and start, like, filming a movie for a lot of reasons. But, like, if you do that, like, uh, some guy with cauliflower ears could be like, yo, 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 we're the union for this, this, and this. For, like... Cauliflower ear, Jesus! <laughs> what a visual. But, yeah, like, no, no, I agree, though. Like, there's that... Once again, like, I think the type of specialized AU is really delightful and charming. And I think it has a time and place, but when you start... But you're pushing the boundaries of reality within the universe. You know what would have been the fun? This is, like, a student film. 
And it, right. Like, and it just, like, spiraled out. <laughs> and somebody is just like, hey, we have, like, my mom's a hairdresser. Like, Emma's like, my mom's a hairdresser. And Spike's like, fuck it. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, that would totally be fine to me. And I think that would be totally adequate as a story. And she fucks up everybody's hair, like Emma in that one episode. Oh, everyone has poodle hair. Well, it's not really the perm that was the problem. It's just that sad wig that just shifted. Yeah. Um, so, Spike's happy. Sorry, I'm just... Spike's happy that Caitlin's engaged, but who's not happy? Kevin Smith. Right, like... Oh, wow. Wow, does Kevin Smith not take this news well. Hey, woman I've known for two weeks at best. I am upset. (laughs) Right, like, he's really upset. Um, Spike does this whole thing. It's like, we're both spoken for. And I'm just like, okay. Um... And Kevin's, like, putting himself down in the process, which I hate. Um, he storms off. He's so, so hurt. <laughs> I just like Kevin, like, no, Kevin, no! <laughs> it's just... <sighs> it sucks. Yeah. Okay, meanwhile, <laughs> Right. Um, so we end up at the cafeteria again. Spinner uncovers some bad eggs and assumes that they are Jay's. Um, and then he spots someone sneaking around in a hoodie. He tackles the person. It's Craig. Um, He's like, I'll stop this intruder and get back in school. Yeah, and... Oh, man. You know what would have been great if Miss Hasawaka was just fucking brought, like, Jay down a peg and was just like, stop hitting on my students? Yeah, I just want Hasawaka to, like, fucking, like, grab him by the scruff of his neck and toss him out of the school. But DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... I was going to say that name as fast as I could. I know. Um, but then he... But then Craig is like, oh yeah, those are my eggs. Ha! Huh. And Spinner is like, I want to apologize. I'm sorry for what I said about Ashley being in the band. Like, she's actually pretty alright. And Craig's like, she's a virus. And Spinner's like, uh, okay, you good? Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, and then he, Craig's like, I am in the boiler room. I am writing music in the boiler room. Kevin okayed it, but you better not fucking tell anybody. And Spinner's like, cool, 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 cool. And then he's just like, Ben, I tell him about it. And by the way, once again, Spinner, that haircut does not belong to you. Slam door. <laughs> I will never stop making that joke. I know. I understand. And I love it. Um, we end up on set. And Caitlin is trying to do a scene, which she is. She is Hasselakos, basically. She's a chemistry teacher. Um, and she keeps fucking up the line. And at one point, Ellie is yelling at Jay to take his hand off her knee, I think it is. And then he does this really, like, gross shit where he's like, bad hand, bad hand. And I'm just like, I want to die. I want to die. I think I was just screaming. Like, these two came in a little earlier than um, as I was, like, still watching the episode. Um, And as they were sitting on the side, I think I just started, we all just started screaming. Like, I don't actually remember any of the dialogue that happened in the scene itself because we were all just kind of yelling about how much we hated this moment. Um, You got anything for it, Danny? I I just, when, when it came to Jay being like that, you know, Jay was never, you know, he was, he, like, you know, he, he's also the guy who, in dogma was just like, you know, to, you know, world's gonna end. You said you'd fuck me instead of going for something that would be actually productive. Mm-hmm. But he was never like this. Is just a new level of un 
uneasiness watching him in this in these scenes. Right. Now I agree. Like the periodic table joke, I kind of get. Like I feel like Jay would say that because Jay's really dumb. <laughs> but you know, uh, um, but Kevin Kevin has the worst showing in this, I'd say. Oh, by far. Uh, Mrs. Joey, that'd be your line. Sorry, brain dead over here. Kevin, I would not disagree with you. What uh, the fuck? He, he's going into full nice guy misogyny. Yeah. And it's really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, it is. It's... <laughs> Part of me was just like, you know what? Jay's just sheer perversion is like kind of more refreshing. Because it's just like he's not hiding how much of a trash bag he is. Right. Uh, it's just... So, so fucking Caitlin keeps flubbing her line. Um, uh, well, we cut to, we, meanwhile, back to the boiler room, Craig is trying to sing a song. Boom. Back to the science lab. Right. He's falling apart. Slate Girl is... That's how she's listed in the um, transcript. Um, is going through a number of takes. Um, Kevin continues to be an asshole. Um, then they're like, you know what, Slate Girl, uh, you can jump in for Caitlin's part. She's now out of my movie. Kevin, maybe this is where you get actual actu- actors and actresses in your movies. Well, also then she's like, do I get paid more? And Jay is like, you can make out with me. Which is, you know, sexual harassment. Like, let's not mince yeah. words. No. Jay has just sexually harassed multiple teenagers and this and uh, this random woman. Because, um, you know. Um, and also, now that I'm thinking about it, like, some of my favorite TV shows are full of phenomenal Canadian actors and actresses. Yeah, they are. How did they not jump all over this production and be like, why aren't you using us? Like, there's rules and, like, unions up here. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's... Call Kalen Keith Ryan. Call Trisha Helfer. Call Nathan Fillion. Call Michael J. Fox. Oh my god, yes. Call Jim Carrey. <laughs> It's just, yeah. I don't know. You can continue. Sorry. Cold basketball. You know, that was invented in Canada. <laughs> you better keep that uncomfortable silence in. Yep. <laughs> um, so Caitlin, or Kevin throws Caitlin off the set. Craig comes running in. Ruins it again. Um, and... Like, is talking very quickly. Um, and Kevin is just like, why are you here, Craig? Shouldn't you be in England? <laughs> and then Craig is just like... Zips back out of the, zips back out of the room. And um, Spinner is trying to <laughs> explain it. Guys, I'm doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> um, no, I know, I know. Um, Spinner's I, I, I'm just, I have a lot of things to say, but it's in the next scene. Gotcha. Oh my god. Sweet baby. Um, it's kind of fun watching you. Trying uh, to do this while holding Dahlia. 
So Spinner's just like, oh, you like Craig told me you let him sit in the boiler room write songs. And Kevin's like, the what now? And Kevin's like, I know that Craig is supposed to be in, um, is supposed to be in England, and I hate working with you stupid Canadian children. I'd rather be working with Ben Affleck. Right. And that's like not even, that's like almost verbatim. That's not even like, that's not even an exaggeration. And I mean, that was in and of itself, like, I think if we were going for an actual Viewers Universe version of this, that line would have stayed in. Okay. That that would be a line that even uh, Silent Bob, that would be like the one. So uh, one of the tropes about Jane Silent Bob movies is that uh, Bob is silent except for one scene in the movie where he finally speaks and he usually either goes on a very very long rant of some sort you see it later at the end yeah is it usually the last scene or it's close to the last scene but sometimes it's in the middle but that's I respect that yeah yeah like in uh, Jane in Jane Silent Bob Strike Strike Back he you know Jay's trying he's trying to show Jay something and Jay's not getting it and he's finally like the number on the on the back of the truck it was right fucking there like otherwise he's just giving out some really good otherwise good information mm-hmm. like he has the, his big thing in uh, the movie chasing Amy is this speech about like not trying to compare yourself to your partner's exes and whatnot. Um, and how now, like, he's still chasing Amy, because, like, she was the one, and he let her go because he was a pig-headed idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dogma, he throws, and he throws either, I think he throws Matt Damon off a train, and just goes, no ticket, to quote Indiana Jones. And then okay. he, he says a second thing, he says, thanks, to Lansmore says God, and Jay hits him for it. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Um, that, he... Though I do like um, in Chasing Amy, where like J- Jay's just like this guy thinks like he can just say a few things and it's you know like the most pointed shit ever, and Kevin Smith's like you think like I can ever get a fucking word in with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, Spinner finally does what a friend does and calls Joey. Right. So oh, we- that's where this note is from. I just put in quotation. Those tickets were non-refundable in all caps. Yep. So we end up in the boiler room watching Joey and Spinner find Craig, and then we end up at Joey's. And Caitlin is on the phone with someone saying that, you know, oh, like, makes a joke about, about like, trying to avoid finding out Tessa Campanelli's address, which is kind of funny because Joey cheated on her with Tessa Campanelli. So that was kind of funny. Um... But also, Joey comes in with Craig, and he straight up just says, it's all Caitlin's fault that this happened. Um, and Angie's like, we're leaving! And just grabs Craig and just brings him upstairs, and I'm just like, oh, thank you, Angie. Light of my life. Um, we're going to Grandma's! <laughs> no, now she's like, I'm gonna get my brother the fuck away from this. <laughs> I respect it. Um, so they then, that leaves Caitlin and Joey to fight over their lack of trust, um, the impulsivity of Caitlin leaving her job, and of course Craig. Um, and there's a lot happening in this fight, and we talked a little bit about this off air. Um, I Caitlin brings up a point in which she tried that she is why Joey has a roof over his head, which is 
pretty emotionally manipulative, but also I kind of understand why she was slinging it because she feels like she is on the outs. She does not have a permanent connection in this family. She is not, she's not Angie. She's not like the kid. She's not a kid. She's not Craig, who is, you know, Joey's responsibility. I understand that she's kind of having to be like, no, like, I'm fucking committed. I fucking did this shit for you. Please do not forget that I fucking did this shit for you. Meanwhile, um, Joey then slings basically the fact that her membership in his family is conditional. And that also really, that personally fucked me up a whole lot. The the way that he is just kind of like willing to use such a thing against her. Because it, that... I don't know. That seems like a number one way to really make sure that you hit someone where they hurt. Yeah. Especially because she, he knows how many sacrifices she has made for everything. Like, yes, she, she did eventually do her worldwide trip to, to, you know, for that short series that she worked on. But she did turn down an opportunity to go to L.A. That's nothing to sneeze at. The fact that she, that she would revive something that she deeply loved and wants to still make. And to to do that is such a slap in the face and is such a way to make someone feel so small. It really upset me personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it fucked me up. Um, and then the next scene where we go to Kevin's um, trailer and Caitlin is at the door and she says she wants to talk to him and he lets her in. Um, so we end up in a rainy scene on a street a guy is playing drums on it. Um, Craig has his um, guitar on him in a backpack, and he begins to play and get some change. Um, and he says that he will work with the guy whose name is Skinny for one hour. They'll split the funds, and Craig also asks for a place to stay as another part of the payment. No. Which is an uh-oh. Because Lord knows... Degrassi will not provide a nuanced take on homelessness. Um, so we go back to set. Caitlin is thanking Kevin for a pep talk. They get weird. Um, they talk about how, like, 2 a.m. and talking. Basically, Kevin says, like, the next time you ask, you ask to be at my place at, like, 2 a.m., I better touch a boob. That is, like, basically what he says. You know, you know, nothing says... World class dude by being like, yo, price of admission is price of admission of my trailer's boob touch. Right? Like, what the fuck? Can we just pretend to be normal? Um, we have a uh, prom scene that's happening. Manny reveals in her scene with Jay that she's a freshman in this. Um, and then fucking Jay is like, yo, where are all the seniors? And I am like wanting to die. And. One, two, three, four, five. I threw in five extra Ys after YJ. <laughs> it was gross. I'll admit, I'll admit, like, though, the line, are there any seniors up in this piece, is a J line. Yeah, that, that, that at least saying something like, is there something up in this piece, you know, it felt it felt more Jayish than any of the other crap that's going that was going on. Yeah, Caitlin and Kevin start dancing. Ninjas jump out of nowhere, <laughs> which is one of the reasons that I would actually be down to watch this movie if they could just, you know, cut around the Jay being really uncomfortable pervy, because Canadian ninjas sounds pretty, pretty up there. 
Well, this is, okay, so this is also fucking bizarre. Okay, so Kevin's like, yeah, I'm going to take you out to dance while they're still filming. No blocking, no no nothing. She doesn't know what the fuck is going to happen. These ninjas break out. They do a fully choreographed thing, and somehow Joey just wanders on to an active set. And he's like, I'm looking for Caitlin. What? What the fuck is this movie? Why doesn't DeGrasse have any security after a major gun violence related issue? What is up with this? Um, makes him feel like Kevin is more of a guerrilla filmmaker than he actually is at the, would be at this point. Right. Um, Joey points out that Craig has gone missing yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they go for, they go to look for him. Meanwhile... On the streets. On the streets. Craig and Skinny um, are walking together. Skinny's complaining about their money situation, how little money they made. And Craig's like, well, it was raining, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Skinny sees a guy with his standing out in front of his car and suggests that they steal the guy's money. And Craig, of course, is like, hey, like, let's not do that. And the guy punches him. Um, the guy closes the door and then Skinny beats Craig up in retaliation and takes his guitar. And as he's doing this, he's talking about how he is going to sell the guitar and get a lot of meals out of it. Which, of course, once again, puts homelessness in the sense of, like, all homeless people are violent, etc., etc. When the reality of the situation is, unfortunately, sadly, it is very possible that Craig is going to school with somebody who is homeless. That is a very real possibility. I don't think I've ever worked in a school where I didn't have at least one kid that I knew was homeless or, like, living in a shelter. Mm. Like, I just hate when school-centric media fails to recognize that piece. And instead of, like, giving spotlight to a kid like that and giving a portrayal of homelessness that is softer and more real, not it's, it's, it's just not fair. Because now, now you're just continuing the trend that homeless people are violent and horrible and do not deserve any care whatsoever. And to to Caitlin's credit, for one thing, in a later well, it's a later scene, but I think it's the immediate scene after this. Uh, not quite, but soon. Yeah, the fact she says, you know, the the person that she, you know, when they find out about Skinny. She's just like, you know, he could be suffering too. He could also have, you know, he could also be suffering from mental illness. He could be lost from, you know, it's a half nuanced take from a show that kind of really utterly missed the mark on. Yeah. And also, but also then again, you know, maybe he is, but it does further that idea that mentally ill people are violent. Yeah. Which is also a fucking problem. Yeah. Because this is also something that they have bungled with Craig in the sense that like, and they even mention it in this episode, this idea that Craig is capable of violence and Craig is just going to continue a cycle of violence. When in actuality, like, and we've talked about this on the show before, one, people who are mentally ill are not inherently more violent. In fact, a lot of the time they're more likely to be victimized. But also, there's a different, it, like, chains and cycles of violence are not one-to-one copy-paste jobs. They're just not. Um, and it's, it's just really frustrating to see this happen and it's frustrating to see a violent take on homelessness and, you know, this, this character is then just disappears into the void. Um, so we end up back at Joey's, Caitlin and Angie are working on flyers and Kevin stops by and suggests, hey, maybe like a Z-lister like me can give a public appeal. Like, I know I can't do much, but maybe I can do that. 
So we end up at a homeless shelter and we see Craig kind of just rambling to himself while he's eating food, which him having disorganized thoughts like that are is not like I wouldn't say it's like necessarily unrealistic. But I also feel like we haven't seen his thoughts that disorganized. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this is edging onto a different level of intensity, which very well may be something that is happening circumstantially. But once again, I think it falls under that kind of weird inconsistency that has happened since they've actively been like, we are going to write him as bipolar. And from an outsider perspective, it felt... It felt somewhat incongruous with how he had been portrayed in the rest of the episode yeah i think the thing is is like with craig is he always has this fear of being or being seen as psychotic and the thing about it is is that ultimately we have not seen him dabble too much in unreality or hallucination or delusion we've seen him edge it like close to it But we have not seen him have, like, and we've seen him go into, like, episodes where he has, like, destroyed a room and stuff like that. But I feel like this level of disorganized thought and this level of reality breaking, especially because he's talking about, like, his mother who's dead and things like that. Like, he's saying, like, oh, it's like how mom makes it and stuff like that, like, using present tense with her. That's hitting a level of unreality that feels not quite what he has experienced in my recollections of the past episodes. Yeah. Yes, no, Frank? Like, I know... No, I I definitely agree with you. Yeah, and that's not to say that that could not happen or that the level of intensity could get, like, you know, you sometimes you have worse episodes than others, but because the portrayal has not been as nuanced as I would like it to be, I feel like it, it feels more slapdash than... This is just a person going through a more intense episode. My, my guess is that the writer thinks that, oh, he's been on meds for so while, so long that, like, all this stuff is kind of built up, so now that he's off of it, it's just all going to come flooding out. Wouldn't he have a lot more, like, physical, like, body, like, reactions to not being on his medication anymore? Like, wouldn't that... I feel like that would be a big concern. Oh, well, we don't know what he's... Yeah, we don't know what he's on, but I just know a lot of my friends, if they, like miss if they miss their medication or they have they have like very physical withdrawal symptoms wait do they i think i think they mentioned he's on lithium well that's pretty common i don't know if lithium has any notable withdrawal symptoms off the top of my head no we don't know what he's on so we're not going to make too many assumptions on that one and it could be lithium it could be other things that he's also on etc etc anyway what we're getting at is is that it's it's just it just does not, the portrayal of him and his mental illness does not have a level of nuance that I feel wholly, like, I just, it, once again, for me, it just is, like, a lot of them Googling and just kind of, like, we're going to make him do this. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's, it's distressing. Um, and also, being that it was 2004, 2005, they probably would have been using Yahoo, which is even worse. <laughs> True <laughs> enough. Um, but the TV goes on, and Kevin Smith is there, and he's just kind of talking at people, not really talking with people, about how she, how he knows him. Um, and Kevin is, you know, introducing that he's missing, and Joey then comes on, and as this is happening, a staff member is watching Craig and is worried, um, and we can assume that he has made the connection. 
We end up back at the front of the school. Kevin offers Caitlin. I, I, I do oh. want to just say, I hope that, like, staff members is like, yeah, I can do some actual good. I mean. Though, also, he might be like, oh, don't know what this kid's running from. That's the problem, right? Yeah. It's like if, a, if when youth is missing, you don't know the full, st- when anybody is missing, really, you don't know the full story. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's it's tough. And also, you know, at the end of the day, this person is working at a shelter and helping people. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, outside the school, um, Kevin thanks Kaylin for giving him a ride. Um, and he says, we're shooting the big football game scene while Jay saves Epilonia from the soul-sucking cheerleaders of Kingsburg. This person has Kingsburg, which, you know, fair enough. Um... <laughs> But I was just, I'm just like, wow, Kingsburg! <laughs> <laughs> so, my um, my housemates, Danny and Chris, make fun of me for in Star Trek Beyond. I got really excited that the ship they use uh, for the talent of the movie is called the USS Franklin. And Aww. I could say I made fun of you for that. <laughs> I got you a Christmas present that was explicitly... The USS Franklin dedication plate. That is not making fun of you. That is At the time, you guys did. (laughs) But Chris specifically is like, hey guys, you see where the ship was my name? (laughs) Because there's not a lot of cool things named Franklin. But, um... I understand. But, yeah. Um, so... Caitlin, um, is saying goodbye. Um... And, like, brings up a good point. Like, I should be there for when Craig gets home, not here on your stupid set. Right? Um, and JT shows up, and I guess he's been, like, an assistant, which actually makes, considering he's been directing the play, makes perfect sense to me. Right. Like, like that That feels like, yeah, that, that, you're right. It does feel right. Um, and... It makes also makes sense that fucking Kevin refers to him as James Tiberius instead of fucking JT. Right. Exactly. That that felt very in character for him to find out. Oh man, your name is James Tiberius. I'm going to call you Captain Kirk for the rest of the time we're together. <laughs> right. Um, so then we cut to Craig uh, going to the soup kitchen, finding Joey. Um, excuse me, Joey going to the soup kitchen to find Craig. Craig is saying, like, Joey, you need to help me find my guitar. Um, Craig, uh... I feel like Joey's approach was not the best for given his mental state, but sure. Once again, why am I expecting writers to be able to portray, like, unreality and how to interact with people who are struggling with it? Like... I just want this to be over. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, Craig then just goes on this ramble about how he always hurts Joey and Caitlin like his dad hurt him. And that was really fucking rough yeah. to hear. Because it's like one of those things where it's like, I understand why Craig would feel this way. I, I would even venture to say that's pretty damn realistic. I think that happens a lot. I think we... People who are abuse survivors, if they fuck things up, even if it's, like, you know, whatever they fuck up in, they they assume that it's either, like, you know, some you, a lot of people feel like they're in the shadow of their abuser or whatever. But it... Between this and the fact that they have made, actively made the choice to make Craig be violent toward Joey, 
and 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 react like his father did it just puts it just makes me so incredibly uncomfortable and upset because i think it, it just shows how far they have fallen in terms of their takes on mental illness yeah and the sympathy that they have toward people who are mentally ill um and even then it's like you know joey does the whole like you're not crazy you're ill and I understand where Joey is coming from, and I also understand why somebody who has a very specific take on mental illness that is not of this type of mental illness would would suggest it in that way, but I feel like even within the season they have done that better in the sense of Craig being like, no, this is a condition, and this is something I have to maintain, and this is something that's a part of me, and it's always going to be a part of me, and, and, uh... I, I wish that the discussion was more of that line of like, yeah, this is a condition that you have and sometimes you're going to have rough times and sometimes you're going to have okay times and sometimes like, you know, we just got to roll with it. Like, we got to support you because sometimes you're going to need it. And that's really what the conclusion should have been on Joey's end. Yeah. But this also failed as a mental illness narrative in so many ways. I can't even be like, yeah, sure about it. Like, I'm not surprised that it ended up in this conclusion. Yeah. Um, uh, and Joey promises that he's not going to just say that Craig is crazy or just blame his being bipolar. Which is like a stutter step in the right direction. <laughs> like, no. it's It sucks because I feel like there's this undercurrent of like how Craig has internalized all of the ableism being thrown at him and all the assumptions being thrown at him. And that is the actual story here to me, but instead they're making all these weird kind of gross implications about mental illness in the process. As always, you want more than these writers have to give. Yeah, like I really think they're just writing out of their skill set. I think they... Maybe this is why season four is so rough is because they set up all of this interesting groundwork and they don't have the skills to write it. Yeah. Um, but we go back to Caitlin. She's staring pensively at bridal magazines on the coffee table. Joey comes in, recaps what's going on, says that Craig is asleep upstairs. Um, you know, talks about how he's going to fucking strangle Skinny if he finds him. And Caitlin does make the suggestion that Skinny could be mentally ill like Craig, could be a wayward youth type situation. Once again, I understand what Caitlin is getting in. I think there is an important discussion of how, like, a lot of folks that are homeless are mentally ill. However... Once again, we have the suggestion that people who are mentally ill are violent, which I don't love. Um, and Caitlin then, then like, swings, makes a swing that I was not ready for, where she just suggests that, like, Craig is not beating strangers up, he's just beating Joey up. Which I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. First you were sympathetic toward mental illness, and now we're going in this direction, and I'm just like... Man, making Craig throw a punch at Joey was one of the stupidest writing decisions they really could have made. Oh. Um. Yeah, it's just to serve for what is coming, which is the inevitable breakup between Joey and Caitlin. Right, like, she's like, you know, we're always fighting, we can't get married, and Joey's like, yeah, this isn't what it should be, and he's like, you know, maybe you should take that job offer. And the thing is, is like, I'm sorry, you didn't need his son's mental illness to be what drove you apart. I think they were doing a damn good job at driving each other apart. And, you know, from from my perspective as the, outsi- as the outsider again, 
I feel like I preface literally everything I say that's not Kevin Smith related with that. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's fine. But uh, I was watching this with with my roommate Chris. And I just turned to Chris and I'm like, well, uh, Frank was there too, but it was his second or third watch through. And yeah, I was making just, burgers at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, how can they be lovers if they can't be friends? I mean, yeah. Well, there's that, but there's also the fact that, like, Caitlin spent a notable amount of the past three episodes flirting with and having an intimate relationship with <laughs> Kevin Smith. And that's not to say that you can't be a woman having intimate relationships with, like, intimate friendships with a guy and things like that. But she was beginning to cross certain lines and kissed him and things like that. And that could just be it for her. It could just be, hey, I don't, you know, there are other people catching my eye. Not even say that she cheated on him, but she could just be like, there's other people, and I'm kind of curious. I still want to try things out. I don't want to just settle down right now. You know, maybe maybe dog ear it and say, hey, you know, let me go to L.A. a little bit and figure shit out and then come back if I want. But I think that alone could be it. It could just be that she was being being reintroduced to a, a type of world that she really enjoyed. She enjoyed the fast-pacedness of it. She enjoyed all that type of stuff. And that's all that it has to be. It doesn't have to be that Craig's mental illness drove them apart. It doesn't have to be, like, that the financial strife, though a very real reason why relationships fall apart, could have been a piece of it. It could just be that they were just drifting apart because she's... I don't know, she doesn't have... She she cares about Craig and Angie, but ultimately it sounds like she's just not as tied down as Joey is. Yeah. That's all that had to be. And I think that would have been a realer adult plot than mucking this all up. And, like, for something that wants to have adult storylines to connect to its adult viewers, that feels like that would have been real and sad in its own right. It's kind of like... It's kind of like what I say about uh, Office Seasons 8 and 9, the seasons where Michael Scott is not there. They have to switch over to more realistic storytelling, and I think the show gets better for it, even if it's, you know, really hasn't aged well in a lot of ways. You know, a, sh- a show like that, when you start to, when you do things real, so to speak, when you go there... Mm-hmm. It actually hurt. It it hurts to watch sometimes. Right. You know, this this felt kind of you know, especially coming in just like I didn't even know they were dating for the first episode that I saw them. Mm-hmm. I came in, I'm like, who is this guy? And suddenly their relationship is just completely falling apart. Like it just something did not mesh with the way that this all ended. Yeah, I think I think a big thing hearing you talk about how it's going there and we've we've made jokes about how it goes there before but i think the time that degrassi really truly does go there is when it's just it's just real and it's just what reality is sometimes and you can you know you can put a bunch of bells and whistles and i'll talk more about this during the season wrap-up you can put a lot of bells and whistles on it you can have it be dramatic you can have it do all that type of stuff but sometimes the the parts that really resonate with you are kind of mundane from a storytelling perspective, kind of normal from a storytelling perspective. And sometimes the most devastating thing is no matter how hard you try to keep something together, it can't. 
whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship, whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult, sometimes that's the saddest, most aching part of life. So we end up at the movie set. Um, They're filming a really weird graduation scene. This is the part where Silent Bob speaks. Um, They talk in a lot of Canadian cliches, and as they wrap up the last scene, which apparently is the last scene of filming, um, you know, they, Caitlin and Craig approach Kevin Smith. Um, he says that he, that um, she reveals that she took the offer and they hug and Joey storms off. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. Well, oh, I forgot my favorite part. I did not even mention the um, make your own real world you deserve that much line and how much I actually like it, but we'll talk about that at the end, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she took the offer, they hug, and I just blanked out so much after the JT stuff. I was like, yeah, sure, that's right. Um, and it's. I think the thing is, is, like, I think there could have been something here, especially because, like, I think... We talked about how Kevin kind of comes in and he gives this reality and everything. And I think this moment would have been a really good way to connect it back to what Kevin says in that scene in the front of the school where he tells her not to settle and specifically make your own real world you deserve that much. Which actually resonated with me a lot as a kid. It was a line that I think I had on one of my social media profiles or aim away message or something like that. Because I actually, but like in all seriousness, it, it spoke to me. And I, I wonder if, if we pull that piece from the episode and restructured it really around that it would have been something truly special and it would have been nice if she brought up that line again where she was just kind of like i am going yeah i'm going to la and i know like you know there's a lot of jokes about la and like how weird and vapid and whatever it is but i'm gonna make my own real world there yeah um and you don't have to like apologize for taking meaning from you know degrassi like, I take meaning from a lot of, like, odd sources. Yeah, I mean, no, but it's, like, it's something that was really interesting to me to, to, rem- to have resonate so much to me as a kid. Like, that's what I really remember of the episode. It's Kevin Smith looking at her and going, make your own real world. You deserve that much. Yeah. Um, because, once again, I think it goes back to that human feeling, right? Like, that's, that's the human connection that I think truly goes there, which is the idea of you don't have to be on this ride if you don't want to be. No. Um. But they hug. Joey kind of sees, watching from a distance and storms off. And Craig approaches him. And this part also broke my heart. Because Craig is like, you can just talk to her. Like, you can try and change this. Um, and Joey's just kind of spiraling and saying, like, you know, calling his home Caitlin's house and everything. And Craig now has to console him. Um, and it's really sad because... I mean, it's it's one of these things where you know that Craig had to kind of pick up a lot of pieces of his father, who was a piece of shit, and now he has to pick up the pieces of his other father figure. And I understand we're not really supposed to be that sympathetic with Craig right now from a writing perspective. We're supposed to be, like, down on Craig, it kind of feels like, because he's why... The, he is being suggested as the reason why Joey and Caitlin fell apart. Uh, I... I, I... 
I, I feel more sympathy for Craig because of That's that. That's reassuring to hear. I think I always fear that people end up less sympathetic toward characters when they act very mentally ill. Well, no, because, like, the poor kid, like, you know, he went through a rough time with his girlfriend. It made him make a bad decision, make a bad teenager decision. And, like, he suffered for it. It's not, yeah. it's not like, you know... I mean, I agree. Like, he ended up, like, he saw no other place for himself to go, but home wasn't safe anymore so he went to the streets he got the shit kicked out of him he got his guitar stolen and he comes home and like two people that were his support system one of them's now leaving and blaming him for it i don't i don't feel any sympathy towards caitlin i think caitlin is you know don't let the door hit you on the way out um but like you know and then like I feel Craig's trying, like, really mm-hmm. trying now. Like, we talk, like, saying to Joe, like, we're supposed to talk. This is how this is going to work. Yeah. Um, and, like, being there for his, being there for Joey the way Joey's been there for him. Right. Like, and just saying, you know, the three of us are together. Like, maybe Caitlin's gone, but we're still here. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I don't, I don't feel any less sympathy for Craig. I just, I feel no sympathy for her. Caitlin. That's fair. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I understand, like, the, the, I agree with you, like, make your own real world thing, but it's still, like, Caitlin. If there was a way to work that better. Yeah. The thing is with Caitlin is, like, everything she does, I, I have so many bitter feelings towards Caitlin Me from too. the entire series. Uh. I'm just like, you know, I'm just kind of happy she's leaving. And, like, it would also make me happy if, like, for the rest of the series that Joey's on, like, he just has a flaming hatred of Kevin Smith. <laughs> that <laughs> like, would be something, at least. Like, he's just like, yo, I gotta go, if you excuse me, I gotta go make a big Kevin Smith in the bathroom, if you excuse me. <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. Like, he eggs the poster for Kevin Smith and... Fuck, during the premiere, he just is like... Protesting, <laughs> like Kevin Smith's like on the fucking red carpet, and just all of a sudden a paint balloon just comes flying out of nowhere and hits him in the chest. Oh my god! But yeah, no, I don't feel anything towards Caitlyn because I think Caitlyn was a terrible, terrible character. It just sucks because it's like this is how you you treat one of your veteran characters. Yeah, like this is what you choose to do. Caitlin was also part of the original series, and like this is how you choose to reduce her to to like this vapid character. Like, and it would have been interesting if they pointed out like you. Do- God damn it, Caitlin! <laughs> I just realized something. Yes. Marco can't do his internship anymore because she's leaving. Oh no! God damn you, Caitlin! <laughs> Caitlin, you ruined everyone's life. Marco's gonna show up and they'll be like, yeah, kid, we got nothing for you. Oh, no. This poor sweet Marco could have... Marco, who could have actually done some fucking good in the world. Ah, fuck this. Um, Anyway, we're almost done. I also did like the fact that Kevin Smith punches um, Jay in the nuts. Yes, that was good. I felt like he had that coming. That was good. That was somewhat satisfying. But yeah, anyway, so... Kevin has a toast as Joey and Caitlin stare at each other. Joey gets the last shot, which further reiterates how fucking weird this episode is written, because that breaks the rule of who gets the lasting shot. 
Alright, and then, like, boom, we're done, we're out. Who gets to say fuck in this episode? Who gets to say fuck in this episode? You know what? Ashley. Ashley gets to say fuck in this episode. But um, this is one of our segments, like, which character... This is a new segment. Who gets to say fuck? <laughs> like, we feel like if one person gets, like, to say, like, to drop the F... If, if, if someone gets the PG-13 F-bomb, right. well, who is it? Well, see, traditional... In, in Fun fact, there was a Degrassi movie that concluded the original series, and in it... Caitlin got to say fuck. I thought it was Snake. No, Caitlin got to say fuck because she said. I thought it was Caitlin. Wait, who said no, fuck? No, because I, I remember looking something up about um, the guy who plays Archie, and like it was like he was the first one to say like. Oh, maybe he was the one. Fuck who said that. in a. Um, I've only seen that movie once. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. You were fucking Tessa Campanelli. That that went to him. You're right. Well, because it was about Caitlyn. I, so I always attribute it to Caitlyn. It feels like something she should be yelling at Joey. You are fucking Trish Campanelli. Yeah, like she's like chasing him down. You are fucking Tessa Campanelli. You are fucking Tessa Campanelli. And just like fucking running. Anyway, who gets to say fuck? Who do you think? Manny. That's fair. I think I think Manny is allowed to say fuck. I think any girl who was hit on during this episode is allowed to say fuck. Like, it's just her last, like, Jay comes in for a hug, and she's just like, fuck you, and just walks away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really like your answer, Dan. That was good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it could have even been as simple as, wait, you're a freshman? And she's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Right. Right. I think, I think, what the fuck is the script? Something like that, yes. No, I agree. I think all the girls who got hit on, I would venture to say all the girls who got hit on, because I want Ellie to be able to say fuck. Because I feel like she also is allowed to say fuck. Paige is allowed to say fuck. Manny is allowed to say fuck. Manny could say fuck twice, probably. Yeah. All right. Character um, rankings. No, uh, great for this episode. D minus. Uh, like, fuck this episode. Yeah, you're going to end the fucking season with this. You're going to end the fucking season with Joey? I mean, and just... And just from the perspective of, like, do you need, do you need it that bad? Do you need the, uh, do you need that Kevin Smith cameo that bad? Why can't you just let the characters end on their own terms? Because, like, I, I came in knowing nothing about the characters. I came in knowing, I went out knowing less and caring less. Right. Well, the other thing is, is, like, there have been celebrity cameos. We had... Billy Ray Cyrus appearing as oh a wild um, limo driver, but that was fine because it wasn't Billy Ray Cyrus playing it. It was just Billy Ray Cyrus playing a character, and it was funny. It wasn't Billy Ray Cyrus playing Billy Ray Cyrus as a limo driver. Right. He, he, his, his name was Dallas. He was super fucking fun. Like, he was driving like a sketchy-ass limo. It was wonderful. No, and it really makes it weird to hear to hear all that you know that it wasn't written by kevin smith or directed by kevin smith because it really does feel like a lot of wish fulfillment right which is like it just when your wish fulfillment begins to impact the deeper implications of the canon and break the rules of the canon then it becomes a problem because like it we're not talking the wish fulfillment of marginalized people making marginalized characters you know what i mean like it's not like Somebody making a comic and saying, hey, guess what? Like, everybody's gay and trans, and it's great. That's wish fulfillment, too, but that is wish fulfillment in a productive productive way, right? Like, wish fulfillment can be really powerful. It can be someone being like, hey, I'm going to make a character who looks like me, who acts like me, who 
um, because I don't always see myself in it. Or we talked about self-insert fanfic, where it's like, you know, I'm going to make a voice for myself because I don't always get a voice. But, like, this is unproductive wish fulfillment. It does nothing to further the series of Degrassi, does nothing to further the ideology of it, at least in a way that's productive. It And... It doesn't do that for the VOS universe, for that matter. No. And it's just like, now you have the fucking canon that Joey lost his girl to goddamn Kevin Smith. Right. Which is just, like, that. that's a part of that character's history. A character who's been with us from the beginning of just, like, it, may, like, it, it makes no goddamn sense. It ha- and, like, the fact that it's just a stunt casting of Kevin Smith just makes it have absolutely no meaning whatsoever. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, cool. It, it's just like, it's like if in the 1990s, like, fucking Mrs. Winslow ran off of, like, Michael Jordan or something. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, that's how that ends? Like, right. It's it's And it's also, we're not talking about a sitcom, right? We're talking about a, like, a drama, which was getting critical acclaim at the time. Like, we're not... Yeah, okay, Degrassi's still a kid's show. It's still, like, you know, it has silliness, it has funny things, and and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, it was something that was considered legitimate. And to fall onto those types of things, it didn't need to. I mean, I don't truly know the ins and outs of its ratings, but it was, like, one of the top-rated Canadian programs. It was getting a really, at that point in time, it had a pretty notable, like, fan base outside of Canada. It just didn't need to do that. It's, it's like if, like, Batman showed up and just, like, swung away with Caitlin. It feels like the same thing to me. But, like, the fuck did I just watch? Right, right. It's just very peculiar. Okay, so character rankings. Who is anyone up? I think that's what we should be no, asking. No, everybody's down. <laughs> Oof. Like, no, uh, no, Ellie gets to go up because she was just like, Jay, you are a fucking pervert. And, like, not, like, not, not, like, willing to, like, uh, silence her opinions about the stupidity of making, of that get up. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin Smith and, like, we we have, like, our pristine, like, hangout spot for all the one-off characters. Jane, Silent Bob get to go fucking hang out in a hell for one-off characters because these two were better than this they've ugh yeah they that's the thing that I couldn't help but think throughout the episode Kevin Smith is better than this Jason Muse is better than this maybe not much better you know they're still ultimately lowbrow dick joke humor but I've seen I've seen better cameos I've seen better stunt casting you know the, the thing is like like you you mentioned dick joke humor and like i've seen terrible instances of that i still think like kevin smith's such a good writer and like the the, the his like vulgar humor makes is so much funnier than this um or like so much funnier than like other people's and it's just like this was not good like, like, you know, like, you mentioned The Office before. Like, you remember when, um, Robert, what's his name, at the end of, like... Robert California. Yeah. He says to, like, um, Andy, like, everyone is better than this. <laughs> like, mm. that's how I feel about this. 
Uh, can we go to recommendations and just close sure. out this episode? Yeah, we definitely can. Danny, thank you for suffering through us. No, no, we don't see thank yous until he is done and he has to give a recommendation. So I'm going to give my recommendation first. This is where we give recommendations to things that are either related or things that we're just enjoying or whatever we feel like, because fuck it. So my recommendations, number one, I started an anime club this week. Um, and I decided to kick it off by revisiting My Hero Academia with the kids, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed myself and made me remember how much I love the series. So if you have not for a little bit, or maybe you're watching the current season that is out and you haven't revisited the beginning of it, it is definitely a lot of fun. Also, because I have gone off the rails and I have no self-control, I'm going to recommend a fanfic I read, which is really good. Um, which is a Fire Emblem fanfic that I read called So Are You to Me by Striking Light, Light on AO3. Um, it is about Marianne and Dimitri and their relationship. Um, I really enjoyed their support chain on the Blue Lion run when I played it, so I was curious to see if there was any much fic about it. I'm not huge into them as a romantic ship. I really like their friendship. This one's very friendship-centric with a little bit of Romo in it. I really enjoyed it. It's a really long fic. It's like 19,000 words or something like that. It's beautifully written, um, and it does really good characterization of the two of them, but more importantly, what their relationship is like, and it fills in a lot of gaps within the story because she's recruitable. You don't really see her during the route-centric stuff, so this actually like works her into that part of the narrative, which I really enjoyed. So I strongly recommend the fic, because why not? Recommendations? I'm reading a lot of fanfic now. I'm going to start recommending fanfic. That's what I got. Danny, do you have any recommendations? Uh, just my standard recommendation to anyone I meet ever, which is uh, Astro City One Half. The Astro City series is a uh, comic series by uh, Kurt Busiek and Brent Anderson, which is about the idea of a world where superheroes are a part of everyday normal life. You know, whereas, you know, something like uh, DC or Marvel, there's conceits about it this is about the you know this is basically slice of life within a superhero universe that's fun and astro city one half is free on comiXology so i recommend anyone take a look at it it's only 22 pages and it's basically the greatest comic i've ever read awesome um i don't know i just <laughs> I just want this to be over. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna recommend ending this episode. <laughs> no, um, I'll recommend. Um, I started playing another Fire Emblem game, Fire Emblem. You know, what, I'm just gonna recommend all the Fire Emblems for the 3DS. They're all very good. Uh, very fair. That's it for me. All right. Um. Okay. Well, now, Danny. You have made it through. Congratulations. Woo! Are there any ways that people can continue the conversation with you? Well, you can re Well, I'm not necessarily great at re continuing conversations, but you can find me on Instagram at dmull387 where I post my where I post my drawings and uh, every once in a while musings on life. <laughs> Frank is like prematurely Frank's breaking his own damn rule This is how much this episode broke him He's breaking his no food rule By trying to eat pandas In the corner um, Chocolate pandas I should be clear <laughs> It's really funny But I also understand um, 
Awesome. Thank you so much also, Danny, for appearing. I hope you had a good first time, even if the episode was not great. Um, I enjoyed myself. Yay, I'm glad. If you want to continue the conversation with us here at I Hope Pod, you can go to email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow our social media. We have I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, the Facebook group, as well as our Twitter account at I Hope Pod. Things are still a little quiet as I'm going to give myself until about January before I really start getting back into the swing of stuff. I've just been in a lot of work stuff. This week was hell for me. Um, but... I am very glad that I can always make time to talk with my friends about the show, even if sometimes it betrays me. Um, you can also support the show in two distinct ways. You can donate to our coffee account. You can also um, write reviews for our episodes. Once we hit 20, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archive and check out some Degrassi High and Degrassi Junior High episodes. Once we hit 30, we're going to do a plotline shuffle uh, story. Once we hit 40, I'm going to write Jay Spinner fanfic, Jay Hogart, for those of you who are getting confused like me sometimes. Um, and I have also threatened to write some platonic Alex and Marco fic, but that I'll just do because I want to. Um, I've already gotten there. I know, you've already gotten there, um, which is also really fun. Um, but those are the ways that you can support the show. Thank you as always for rolling with us. We are happy to continue to produce content, even though the past few months have been really rough, but we're hoping that we're going to go into 2020 with clearer eyes, fuller hearts, because we cannot lose. Um, I think we lost. <laughs> somebody on the bingo bar is going, fucking damn it, Tony, man. Goddamn Friday Night Blink reference. Um... <laughs> Um, anyway, um, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, uh, feel free. You can follow me at DM is unbreakable. You all know the situation by now. You're going to go onto it and go, what the fuck? And then if you want to talk to me, just tweet at me because it's probably the best way to figure out some of my hot takes on things. I will gladly respond. Um, also I have some cool stuff coming out. Um, I have a couple of zine pieces that are on the verge of coming out. Um, I have some articles on Palm Mag you can also check out, um, one of which is about Degrassi. Like, I just got a lot of writing stuff that is happening. Also, my fanfic, if you feel so inclined to check out, because we talk a lot about writing, and that is the easiest way to read my writing. Um, so you can be the judge if I have any right to talk about it on the podcast. Um, but that's how you can find me. And Frank? Um, I... My, I have another podcast to do with my sister called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, we talk about just a whole bunch of like other stuff that's not Degrassi, but still for teens. Um, last week we did, or this week we did Let It Snow, um, a ensemble Christmas movie on Netflix that brought up some really weird energy between my sister and I, <laughs> admittedly. Um, I also have in the description my Wattpad, where I'm posting chapters from one of my manuscripts called Red Rain. Um, and I also have a YouTube, which I have been playing some videos for, so hopefully some stuff will be coming up on that soon. Um, I have a Twitter, uh, which is Dance Dance Fall. Um, and if you want to hit me up on Instagram, I'm Sir I Would Challenge. And with that said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through. Hey, we finished up season four, so we made through something. Oh, God, thank Jesus, it's over. So next week... Get ready for our, our uh, reflections on this season. Which we're actually going to record like now. <laughs> yeah, which we're actually going to record now, but you won't experience it now. Yeah. Anyway, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. Adios. Adios.
So I'm involved.